I'm Michelle and I'm back for season two of Get Mouthy from the Head and Neck Cancer Foundation. Talking about cancer is important, but it doesn't have to be dull or depressing. So join me as I chat with some of the most interesting people I know who are all linked to the fight against head and neck cancers, either personally or professionally. So today we're joined by Sarah Taylor, who is the GP lead at Gateway C, which is an amazing organisation that we've been working with. I'm not going to tell you too much about it because Sarah will tell you about it, but I think both our medical and our non-medical listeners will find a really great value, Sarah, in um, learning about the importance of early diagnosis and how this tool really can help. So thank you so much for spending some time with us to share this with us. We really appreciate it, Sarah. Can you just explain for our listeners what Gateway C actually is? The Gateway C provides online education really for primary care health professionals. So GPs, practice nurses, physician associates, all those people and pharmacists who are making diagnoses in primary care. It's online education and it's really all mostly based on early diagnosis trying to improve early diagnosis a lot of it is done with um, simulated consultations so we we script a consultation so we can get the outcomes and the questions that we want and we use actors to do that we have a lot of interviews with consultants which I really like because I get to ask them all of those things that you can't find in guidelines but you want some guidance on and we do quite a lot of patient interviews as well and you get some really interesting sort of other ways of thinking about things from talking to the patients too so we've got we use a variety of different things as well as putting in facts and figures and um links to guidelines and that sort of thing so that's really interesting because actually when i've spoken to patients no one's journey is the same is it you know nobody's journey is the same it may have some similarity but it's not the same and um you know i i get contacted by people who are who I've just seen something and are really worried to people who have had something for a while and haven't, you know, and are then asking, you know, they'll even phone me and I think, gosh, why haven't you gone to your doctor and had this conversation with your doctor? Why, when you were at the dentist, didn't you mention this to your dentist? So I'm fascinated by that, um, the sort of sharing of this information. But what's the story behind Gateway C? Like, how did it start and why did it start, I guess? We started as part of a cancer vanguard, which was a a, a NHS England initiative to try and work on new ways of diagnosing and treating cancer earlier and better. Um, And we started as a very small pilot in Greater Manchester. Um, We did a couple of modules. We started with really common cancers like lung and colorectal cancer, and we did two modules. We then got some funding from Um, health education England in the north to spread across the north of the country and very soon afterwards funding from health education England to cover the whole of England. We've recently got funding from health education in Wales and our modules are live in Wales um, and they're going to be going into Scotland in the next year or so. So we've so, so it was started as a pilot. We got good feedback, um, and it's, I quite like reading the feedback because you actually get sort of you get quotes from people saying, you know, I've always done it like this, or I've rethought yeah. how I explain things to patients because I've seen it acted out. Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? Because it's so hard. Different people. I mean, you know, when someone does get diagnosed, I've you know, when I've been there as sort of a company to my parents when they've gone through stuff. I can see that them on their own might 
this information might be going a different way for them, you know. So to find out the right way, you know, the right inroads with different personalities and cultures, I guess, that must be part of it, cultures and all sorts of other things that um, that may be behind that. So what's your specifically your role as GP lead in this? So it's to oversee the sort of clinical content of what's going on. I do a lot of the with Rebecca Leon and we've got two GP leads, Rebecca and I do it between us. And we oversee the sort of clinical content. We do the interviews with the specialists. We do the interviews with the patients and, and just ask them, as I say, all the things that we like to we'd like to know ourselves really sometimes um so i spoke to one of the consultants recently about a young patient who'd had um glandular fever six months previously and still had a lump in the neck and i looked Mm -hmm. everywhere to see whether you could see any guidelines as to how long after glandular fever you should expect still to see a Mm -hmm. lump in the neck um because there's no guidelines anywhere and she said you know she said well actually six months is pushing it a bit i would expect it to have resolved you probably need to investigate further um so it's that sort of thing that you can't find in a guideline that you can ask a specialist and share with other GPs and other practice Mm. staff and I think as well there's sort of an assumption one of the an assumption I think as a patient that these stories are being shared anyway you know that that but that doesn't happen doesn't it quite often surgeons or or dentists whatever are working in isolation on this there's not this sharing of oh this happened and you know and and uh, this is what I found so it is that getting to know those individual stories and and sharing that practice. So I guess um, we we all sort of know this, but I'd be just be great to hear your take on it about why early diagnosis is so important in all cancers. Yeah, so all the stats on early diagnosis in virtually some cancers are slightly different brain tumors and blood cancers are slightly different because in the way they're worked out but everything else the earlier you diagnose it the better the chance of surviving it and the easier the treatments often are as well so if you have a stage one or a stage two cancer which is a very early cancer there are often much more straightforward treatments that are more successful um, mm. You know, it obviously varies slightly by different cancers and some cancers are easier to diagnose earlier than others. But basically, the earlier you diagnose something, yeah. the better the outcomes for the patients, both in terms of survival and in terms of treatment, because the easier the treat, you know, the less treatment you need, the less chance you have of having side effects from that treatment and long term impact from the treatment. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing, isn't it, is that we often find that patients are focused on the getting rid of the cancer but it's the journey after that and certainly with head and neck cancers that's really the sort of climb of the mountain you know that's the story doesn't stop just when the cancer's gone there's all of that that goes after it and I suppose the early diagnosis can prevent a lot of a lot of those sort of you know those bits happening afterwards and I know in um you know 46 to um 88% of head and neck cancers are preventable um, given an early diagnosis and you touched on it there you're talking about different types of cancers how does that compare to other cancer types? Um, I I think that they're all 
easier to treat and better outcomes if you catch them early. But as I say, the biggest difference is that some of them are much easier to catch early. So things like skin cancers mm. um, and breast cancers where people find a mole or a lump. Yeah. Um, um, and there's quite a lot of awareness about that. Yes. People are much more likely to come and see their GP. They're uh-huh. much more likely to push if somebody says, oh, you know, we're full today. We haven't got any appointments. Can you phone back tomorrow? They're much more likely to push to get that appointment. The reception and the people taking the calls are much more likely to see that as yeah. a concern so you know we've got most of our receptionists are female most of them know that if they've got a breast lump they'd be worried about it so they yeah. will then tend to try and get the patient in I think there's not that same awareness in patients about yeah. other symptoms and sometimes in the people making the appointments so part of our role is to try and for you and for me is to yeah. try and raise that awareness for everybody yeah. and that's the thing isn't it I suppose like you say some cancers are you know more sort of physical you know like you can actually see them and we've had some of our patients have ranged from you know we had one guy who his cancer um he noticed because every time he shaved he was cutting he had a meloblastoma and so every time he was shaving himself his jawline has slightly changed so he was like cutting himself shaving and that's how he right. noticed and then um another one of our ambassadors uh Suzanne she um it was a cold day and she had a scarf on and she just kind of, you know, wrapped her scarf around her neck. And as she did that, she touched the side of her neck and realised, you know, that there was a lump there. And um, another one of our patients said, described her uh, tumour in her, she had it in her tongue um, as being like a strain, like she felt like she'd strained a muscle in her tongue, if that was at all possible, you know. So there's such kind of like weird, odd symptoms that you wouldn't necessarily think with something serious you know so that is the thing isn't it about just getting all of these things checked out when you slightly think there's something wrong you know yeah and I think that when you see somebody in primary care GP practice nurse server they may at the first instance say actually I'm not massively concerned about this I think it'll probably you know a lump in the neck lots of people get lumps in the neck with viral Mm -hmm. infections but actually what you then need to do what what our responsibility is then to make it clear to the patient what we would then expect to happen so you might say well you've got this lump in the neck you've you've probably had an infection it's likely to settle over the next three or four weeks if it doesn't settle then I want you to come back and see me Um, and we had one patient who I spoke to who had bowel cancer who um, said to me that she was told by the GP to come back if it got worse where and actually it didn't get worse but it didn't get better um, and she didn't go back because she said I'm a oh, she said, she, and fortunately she subsequently died but she she said she was a very compliant person and since the instruction she was given was come back if it got worse she didn't go back until it got worse whereas so I think one of the things from my side is that we need to be really clear in those instructions to patients saying I would expect in four weeks that this should have gone if it hasn't gone then I want to see you again Um, and then come back and I think that though and I think that you know patients if they can as well being their own advocates should be starting should be pushing for well you know okay this is here today when would you expect it to get better what do I do if it doesn't get better those sort of questions are really important to get I mean I you know I think we should be giving those things but actually yeah you do need to yeah and I also think that's made strangely after Covid right my own surgery um before Covid it was honestly so hard to get an appointment I'm talking six weeks to see a doctor before and that's not even your own doctor it was six weeks 
But since COVID, because they've made alternative things like GP, being able to speak to your GP on the phone or being able to speak to a nurse on the phone or seeing a nurse, that I've found it's much easier to advocate for myself because I can just say, well, can I speak, just can I have a phone call? a phone conversation to follow up on things so I think it's sort of using those tools but you're absolutely right in that our GPs need to tell us this but we do need we need to for ourselves to say because I think there's a, a feeling of I've been to see the doctor the doctor said it's nothing really to worry about but mm -hmm. if it comes back you know but it's the seriousness of if you've still got it if it comes yeah. back if, yeah. you know if it, it never goes away then you need to come back and see me you know and we need to get it checked out so I, you know, I think the sort of the, I think sometimes GPs and we, I find this like with surgeons and things as well, really um, are unaware of the massive impact that of what they say has on yeah. patients. Yeah, yeah. People go away and remember the tiniest thing that might seem like a negative or might seem a positive, you know, and hang on it. And I think it is really key for people to sort of know you know to, to for GPs or any sort of medical practitioner to sort of know that we are hanging on every word that you're saying we're hoping about what you're saying you know yeah. there's there's all of that as well that goes with it the patient um, I spoke to in our head and neck module was a man in a very similar age to me in his mid-50s who had noticed a lump in his neck um and was basically I think nagged by his wife to go and see yeah, the GP yeah. um, and when he went he said the first GP he saw was just very reassuring um, and he said that he would then felt massively reassured because that's what he wanted to hear and didn't yeah. really think about anything else and so he was sort of saying that actually it isn't my role to be massively reassuring it's my role to make sure that there's nothing yeah. serious going on and and we want to make people people feel better but actually that's not to say no. to him I th don't think this is anything to be concerned about but yeah this 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 and this rather than oh I'm not worried about it go because that's he said that's all he heard and then he left it for another six yeah. months and then his wife said that lump's still not gone um and, and he went back and he'd got a head and neck cancer and this, he yeah. said the second GP he saw said no this isn't right this shouldn't have been here for this length of time I need to refer you on oh gosh and by then it doesn't really it, you know time's passed doesn't yes, it yes know, six yeah six months has gone past yes yeah. So yeah. do you think all, um, this is just a curious one really, do you think all GPs, dentists, nurses are sort of trained in spotting those signs of head and neck cancers? No. <laughs> no. I, th I mean, I think as a GP, I, there are, I mean, the guidelines for head and neck cancer, the NICE guidelines are, all the NICE guidelines are guidelines and so they don't give you everything that you need to know. Um but they so lumps in the neck, this sort of thing. I can feel lumps in it and assess lumps in the neck. Looking in the mouth, I actually think the dentists are much better at doing that than we are as GPs because that's what they do all the time. They've got better mm -hmm. equipment, better lights, all of this sort of thing. Um, I think that actually examining the mouth is probably something that an awful lot of GPs and practice nurses haven't got a lot of experience in. Mm -hmm. And I also know from speaking to the when we did the module on head and neck cancer that actually sometimes you know you can have a big lump in the neck related to a cancer in the mouth or in the throat that you can't see and it's exactly. even with all the you know fancy equipment in the hospitals you can't see them still you, you sometimes still don't know where the cancer has actually arisen from so yeah. I think I think that it is so I think it's just that sort of being as careful as you can be if somebody's got some if somebody's got uh, you know persistent mouth ulcers 
then it, it does warrant referral. You know, if they don't go away, they need to be referred. Um, and somebody who's got more, who's got better equipment than I have, yeah. even if I can't see anything that worries me, that doesn't necessarily mean it's not there. Yeah, that there's not something there. And I, so for us, I guess we um, we have a video on our website that shows individuals how to examine their mouth very carefully. And more importantly, it shows what a healthy mouth looks like so that, you know, when something is, you know, is wrong. And we would always, you know, advocate for people to sort of be part of that self, um, you know, to do, sort of do a bit of self-diagnostics. But I, again, I think, you know, last time I went to the dentist, um, which was earlier on this year, um, I asked him if he was checking, you know, doing, um, mm. he didn't know what my job was. And I, I, um, asked him if he was what he was checking my mouth for and obviously people don't want to say I'm checking you to see if you've got cancer but he said oh I'm just checking that your mouth is nice and healthy and everything and I told him what I did and I said do you know what would be really good I said what we would like is for dentists to say you know when they're checking your mouth you know and they're feeling around quite often mm. when your mouth and they feel around is to actually say what I'm doing is I'm checking to see if there's any um, anything there that might be, you know, so that people are aware of oral cancers, you know, and would be checking themselves or when they clean their teeth, think, well, that's a bit funny. I've got a bit of a lump there or there's something strange, a tenderness going on there. So it's interesting you say that not everybody does. And that just for me tells me how important it is to look after your own mouth, you know, totally, and, your own yeah. and, yeah. and sort of diagnose yourself. But brilliant to know that we're now connected with you. And we've got Gate, Gateway C on our on our website for clinicians to be able to use those tools yeah. to help them, you know. So we find that uh, we find that head and neck um, cancers are um, sort of less commonly known in the public. And uh, did you find that when you were sort of do, putting this together? Yeah, I mean, I think there are some things that people have got quite a high awareness of, as I say, breast cancer, yeah. lung cancer, these sort of things. But I think there's quite a lot of other cancers that people have far less awareness of actually the fact that they exist and what the symptoms are um, mm. and I think that that you know obviously public awareness and patient is really really important isn't it if we're going to get because we can be I can work on as much education for GPs and other people as we want we can get all the forms sorted out all of this stuff but actually if the patients don't come and see us we can't yeah. do anything and that's it and so yeah I think it's really it's it's a difficult one isn't it yeah so what are your plans sort of going forward what are your plans for continuing to raise awareness and sort of this education you know the education in the future have you got anything big and exciting coming up we've just started um releasing some podcasts as well so we were aware that we've we've done we do quite a lot of we've got the online webinars we um we've got we've done some face-to-face -face teaching in various areas um you know we, we've done some webinars we did quite a lot we started doing webinars through covid when we realized that people and there were quite a few things that were coming up like um, telephone consultations and how to do yeah. those with suspected cancer referrals and this sort of thing um, but we're starting to do some podcasts as well and head and neck is we've done our first series of eight um, and we're looking at doing one on head and neck in in the next series they are again aimed at healthcare professionals and they're, yeah. they're very similar style to this with myself yeah. and, and Rebecca Leon just having a bit of a chat and sort of saying these are the symptoms these are patients these are what I've learned from it these are you know this is um this is the way I would safety net the patient. This is what this is how I explain 
a suspected cancer referral to patients doesn't mean that you know there aren't other good ways of doing it um mm. but actually rebecca will say how she does things i'll so so i suppose the most exciting thing that we're doing at the moment is we're carrying on with what we're doing and producing more modules we've got a couple of we haven't done anything on pediatric cancers we haven't done anything on endometrial cancers but we are going to go ahead and carry on doing the podcast as well which are quite good fun too yeah yeah and it's actually a really good way to get a big message across you know like you get can get lots of detail in a podcast I find you know yeah um, totally it's a bit unnerving listening to them when I have to proof listen and I'm going for a run and I'm listening to a, a podcast <laughs> as I'm running around but <laughs> so for our medical listeners where can they find out more about Gateway C's modules and resources? They just go to the Gateway C website, um, which is, I think it's www.gatewayc.org.uk. Okay. Um, um, but I will just double check that because it'll pop up on my computer. Yes, it is. Um, so they can go there. Anybody who's in England and Wales as a healthcare professional, doesn't, they don't have to be in primary care, um, they can register for an account it's an immediate registration um and scotland will uh, will follow soon and we are having some discussions with northern ireland as well so um they can go and register for an account everything's free they'll have access to all the modules can track what modules they've done whether they've got anything else that they're interested in um and access all of our resources and the podcasts are available on all podcast places um, it's called GPs Talk Cancer. As I say, we haven't got a head and neck one at the moment, mm. but we have got what we are. But that is, we were discussing the next series yesterday and that's in on the list for the next lot. That's so good. Of course, as well, you can actually um, find Gateway C on our website. On, yes, you uh, can. Your module yeah. I went on this morning. because I was it, Yeah, it. so you can find it at hncf.org.uk as well. Sarah, thank you so much for talking to us. It's a really brilliant it's a, it's always simple things that are really clever aren't they you know it's just a simple um tool um in terms of what it's doing in terms of joining up um you know um communication styles and approaches but um i wish you every success with it i think Thank it's you. absolutely brilliant and we're so proud to be um hosting it on our website and look forward to doing more with you in the future brilliant thank you i hope you enjoyed that Please share this to help raise awareness. And if you'd like any further information about head and neck cancers, do visit our website, hncf.org.uk.